Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Prayer, the greatest human privilege. And we're going to talk today about using that privilege to pray for the church. You know, I don't, I don't know if you no, noticed this last week. So a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, next week we're going to talk about what would God pray for our family? And then the next week I said, hey, next week we're going to talk about what would God pray for ourselves? But last week I, I didn't say, hey, next week we're going to talk about what would God pray for the church? Because I was afraid you wouldn't be interested That sounds awful to say. It sounds like I think you don't care about the church, love the church. Oh, you don't pray for the church, wouldn't be interested in that. And that's not at all what I think, even though that is kind of what I just said. No, that's not what... Listen, I get it. Hey, when when we say, hey, we're going to talk about praying for ourselves, we're going to talk about praying for our family, boy, real questions come to our mind, real ideas come to our mind, real issues. It's very personal. But, but when we say, hey, we're going to talk about praying for the church, what comes to our mind? I mean, that, that's not as personal. Uh, it, it, I don't want to say it doesn't feel real to us. I mean, we're all sitting in a very real church. We, we're all part of a real church. But, I, I mean, again, what even comes to our mind when we think about praying for the church? My, my guess is probably some of us are thinking right now, well, there's, you know, prayer requests. Yeah, we just came out of life group, or maybe you're in a small group during the week, and during that time, prayer requests are shared. So when I'm praying for my church, I'm, I'm praying for those. Or maybe, maybe every now and then, you know, the pastor gets up and says, hey, we all need to be praying about. I mean, I did that last Sunday. We, we talked about Amy Mead was in Ukraine with the Gallaghers and a flight had already been canceled and they're trying to get out. And, and she got out, got home Wednesday night and is here in church today. So pr- praise the Lord for that. We're still praying for the Gallaghers. Amy was there for a month. The Gallaghers are there full time serving the Lord and they're in Romania now. But, but their goal is to be back in, in Ukraine. So we continue to pray for them. But you know, the pastor gets up and says, hey, pray, pray for this. Maybe you're real involved in the church or you're real involved in a, a certain issue and you know, hey, there's a, a problem we have here. This isn't getting worked out or we're not quite in agreement or, hey, there's an opportunity that we have. And so we, we pray about that. But you know, my guess is those things I just mentioned, they're, they're kind of sporadic. And, and so our praying about the church can be kind of sporadic, kind of sporadic, not quite as real. And so it's a little bit harder to know, am I interested in this? Do I, do I need this? But you know, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, loves the church. And if I love Jesus and I'm wanting to be like Jesus, then I'm going to want to love the church, right? And, and there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways we can exercise that love, show that love. And, of course, when you really love something, you're not looking for one way or a couple of ways. You're looking for every way. But prayer is indeed one of those ways, dare I say, a pretty easy way, an, an easy way to show that love for the Lord. Now, let me back up a little bit and talk about Jesus' 
loving the church. Last week, when we looked at uh, what God would pray for ourselves, I, I started with kind of a tone, a backdrop to that of, of one day standing before God. We used a verse that had nothing to do with prayer or praying for ourselves, but just acknowledging that we're going to stand before God. And with that idea, here's why we might want to be interested in praying some of these things into our lives. Well, I want to do the same thing today with praying for the church. You know, I want to get motivated for this. I, I, I want to be committed to this because Jesus loves the church. And we understand, right? When we say Jesus, we're not talking about he loves the sign out front. We're not talking about he loves the building. He, he loves this gathering that's taking place right now. Now, we say Jesus loves you, Jesus loves the church all the time, and we just all accept that. But, but let's actually go back to God's word and be clear that this is, in fact, what's happening. And that this is kind of our backdrop to what we're going to look at today. Look at Ephesians 5.25. It's not a verse about prayer. It's not a verse even about Jesus and the church. It's about husbands. And then that's where Jesus and the church comes in. It says, husbands, love your wives. Okay, I'll do that. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, just like Christ loves the church. See, there you see, that is a fact. He loves the church and gave himself up for her. Now, I see two things, two, two great things in that very simple statement about how I'm being challenged to love Karen. The, the first thing I see there is that Christ not only loves the church, but folks, we, we love a lot of things. We love a lot of people. But I think most of us would identify marriage as the most profound, the most intimate, the most familiar, the most personal love that we experience on earth. And that's the love that Christ's love for the church is likened to. That's the love that marriage is given a, a model of, Christ and the church. So clearly his love for us is very personal, it's very passionate, it's very intimate. And the second thing I see there is sacrificial, right? He gave himself. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, I'm willing to die for you guys. He did die for us guys. He died for us. He didn't meet some needs. He met all the needs eternally, completely, entirely at his cost. So when we say Jesus loves the church, that's just not something we say here. That, that, that should be just kind of, oh, yeah, sure, of course. No, it's a passionate, personal love. It is a sacrificial love. Folks, Christ's love for this gathering, for this moment right here, is profound. And so I repeat myself, if I love Christ, man, I'm going I'm to want to be like him. I'm going to want my love for this place to be profound. Not just, oh, yeah, I love my church. No, it should be described as profound, intimate, personal, real, sacrificial and there's all kinds of ways I, you, we are going to do that. But man, how do we not use prayer to be a part of showing that love? It's such an easy way. So now that brings us back to our, our question in this series. Well, what would God pray for the church? And, we, and I've said each week, well, you know, want to be clear when we have the idea of God praying. You know, God doesn't pray like you and I do. He's not looking up to someone or something greater than him, more than him, and saying, help. He, 
He has no need. There's nothing above him. There's nothing higher than him. There's no place to go for help for him, and he doesn't need help. So he's not praying in that sense. But what are prayers made up of? When you pray, when I pray, what's in those prayers? Our will, our desires. Well, we saw passages like Psalm 37, 4, 1 John 5, 15, that make it very clear that when I delight in what God delights, when I pray according to his will, hey, some great things happen. Answers, changes, like changing the world can happen. So, so I want to I wanna pray, and that's where we use that phrase. I want to pray like God would pray. I want to pray for what God would pray for. And we've brought that idea to our family, to ourselves, and today the church. And we're not imagining, we're not guessing at what God would pray for. We're turning to his word. When I read the Bible, when you read the Bible, we're reading what he delights in. We're reading what his will is. So on, on any topic, we've picked a few in this series, but on any topic, I can go to God's word and I can find out, hey, if God was praying, this is what he would pray. And so we're going to look at seven things today. Today's kind of have a real familiar outline or a similar outline to last Sunday. We looked at seven things we would pray for ourselves. And now today we're looking at seven things we pray for the church. And this first one's kind of fun because I've, I just spent like two minutes explaining. Now, when we say God prays, you know, it's not like I've explained that four Sundays in a row. And yet now we're going to see a verse where God is praying. God is praying for the church. I mean, this whole series title, WWGP, What Would God Pray? We're about to see it right here in this first thing. This is Jesus the Son praising to God the Father. And what he's praying for is our unity. Now, before we look at this verse, and you see it there, I want you to understand where and when this is happening. This is in the upper room. He is hours away, hours away from being arrested and then executed. You know, I'm guessing if I knew that I was going to be killed tomorrow, I'm, I'm guessing I'd be real clear on what my priorities are. How about you? That would be a real clarifier of, you know, these next few hours are about what counts and all that counts you know, I, I, I joke a lot, I bring up a lot, sometimes when it's not even necessary that I am a fan of Texas A&M football. That's Karen and I's alma mater. We love that place. But I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that if I knew I was dying tomorrow, Texas A&M football would not be on my mind. If somebody tried to engage me in a conversation, I'd know that, that would, I wouldn't be looking it up on the internet. I wouldn't be talking about it. I wouldn't be watching it. See, folks, you and I can have all kinds of things that we really do genuinely enjoy, that are important to us, that we celebrate. But if we're down to 24 hours, that's going to clean the list out, right? There's going to be a lot of things that are just not going to be a part of these next few moments. This is about what counts. And that's where Jesus is. Now, I'm guessing Jesus doesn't need a clarifier like I do. I, I don't think Jesus, hey, Jesus, you thought about your priorities here? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. But still, even Jesus, is, he's on the clock. We're, we're, we can count now the hours that are left. And what is he doing in those final moments? He's praying for our unity. 
Look at this, John chapter 17. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe. I love this line. He's saying, Father, I'm not just praying for the apostles here at the Lord's table with me, but I'm praying for all those who are going to believe through their work and ministry. Who are all those that are going to believe? That's you and me. Right there in the upper room, he is praying for the Heights Baptist Church. You know, individuals, yes. But he's thinking of us not as individuals right here in this prayer. He's thinking about us as a group. I'm praying for all those who will believe in me through their word that that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they will be in us. Now, why is this a prayer? Why is Jesus praying for this? He tells us, so that. Anytime you see so that, that's a purpose. Everything I just said, here's the purpose for it. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. When Jesus is hours away from being executed, not just dying, being executed, he's thinking about us getting along. And he's praying that our relationship is such that we experience the same kind of thing that they do in the triune Godhead. That we are enjoying today and throughout the week in worship and in ministry on Sundays and in all of the places we engage. He is praying that we enjoy the same kind of fellowship, the same kind of love, the same kind of agreement that they experience in the, in the Godhead. That's incredible. And this isn't just so we always have a good, warm, fuzzy experience with church. He tells us why. He wants the world to be able to watch our relationship and literally think there must be something to this Jesus thing. I don't know about y'all, I don't want to mess this up. That seems kind of important. It was important to him. And so, I mean, there's a lot of things that are involved in that, but hey, he was praying it. Maybe that's where I should start. Jesus, I pray. I pray for unity at the Heights Baptist Church. I pray for love. Lord, I pray for John 13, 34, that in that unity we love one another because unity kind of implies that, right? Lord, I pray that we, Ephesians four thirty two forgive one another because there's no real unity without forgiveness because when more than two of us get in the same room, one of us is getting on the other's nerves sooner or later. I mean, forgiveness is the oil of the machine unity, okay? We're going to have to forgive to get to have unity. I, I, Lord, as we strive, because it's work, as we strive after unity, may we realize that it is Philippians 2.2, work to be of the same mind. Folks, getting along and and agreeing, that's not like magic dust that God sprinkles out of heaven on churches he likes a whole bunch. It's a work that you and I are being called to do. You you know, we don't agree on everything. We're not going to agree on everything. You know, I think that there are some non-negotiables. I I think there are some things I will not, and I actually don't believe I'm in contradiction here with what Jesus is praying. I'm not going to be one with a church that does not believe and teach that Jesus Christ is the unique Son of God. You say, 
What church doesn't believe that? More than half in America. They say it, but then they so water it down that it becomes almost meaningless. You know, that, that he is the only way to heaven. Well, don't all churches believe that? No. They so water it down that they actually end up saying that Jesus is our way. Jesus is a wonderful way, but he's not just the only way. In my mind, that's not me not choosing to be one with that church. They've ceased to be a church. I'm not going to be one with a church that does not believe that the Bible is the holy authoritative word of God. They've ceased to be a church. They have rejected God's voice. But after those things, and we might throw out a couple of others, you know, most everything else now I need to be willing to negotiate. I need to give a little, you need to give a little, we need to come to the table, we need to work at how we're going to be, Philippians 2, 2, of the same mind on these things. You know, when you're not in complete agreement, don't be shocked. God actually anticipated that and said, that's right, now get back in there and work at it. And so these are the kinds of things we're praying when we, when we pray for unity. Kind of as I said last week, we can pray that very general. Lord, I pray at the heights we enjoy the unity of the triune Godhead. I pray we're all working at it through love, through forgiveness, through working at being of the same mind. I can pray that in a general sense. I can pray it very specifically. Hey, Lord, our class, we've got a little conflict going Hey, Lord, our church, we're making a decision, and we're not all in the same place. Could you, could you help us? I, I think every single time I've prayed for a mission trip that's about to leave, hey, tomorrow we're leaving for Nicaragua or Haiti or Ukraine or Zimbabwe, I've always prayed for unity on that team. Always. Yeah, partly because I want them to enjoy a great camaraderie together, and enjoy serving and working on the, the Lord together on, on the field there for that, that week, that two weeks, whatever they're doing. But I've also seen firsthand what happens. It might be a team of 12. It might be a team of 28. It only takes two people to get sideways with each other. And there's a little conflict and a little tension going. And, it, and that begins to permeate the whole team. And the whole, the, the whole thing going, where'd that come from? Well, you know exactly where that came from. That's Satan. Okay, so, you know, we, I, I'm always going to pray about the unity of a team that, that's going to be going out like that. So we can pray it for whole. We can pray it for specific things. And in all seven of these things, not only are we praying this onto and for the church, but don't we also say, and Lord, what's my role in this? You know, when, when I'm walking to the car, Lord, did, did, did I encourage unity at the heights today? Did I encourage and help others to encourage unity at the heights today? Lord, what are all the ways I can do that? Make me sensitive to what you were praying about when I got together with all these people, right? We pray it for the whole. We pray it for ourselves. That's number one. I'll probably do six through, uh, two through six in about the same amount of time I just did number one, okay? I know some of you looking to watch going, oh my gosh, we're going to be here till four. <laughs> number two, number two, let's pray that we worship in spirit and truth. That's a little less. Not, that's not the Holy Spirit reference there. That is a little s. May we worship in spirit and truth. Look what Jesus said. True worshipers. I want to be a true worshiper. How about y'all? I mean, I don't want to be a fake one. I don't know what all the options are, 
But it seems like if there's true ones, then there's fake ones. I don't want to be one of those. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be something God's looking for. How about y'all? I want to be what God was seeking today. And Jesus said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to worship in spirit and truth. I want to use this idea. I made reference to this last week. You know, a lot of times we'll be reading along in the Bible and we'll come across an idea. Oh, I want that for my family or I want that for me. Here, I think you could come across this verse and think, okay, that might be something I should pray for my church. And not even be actually clear on what worshiping in spirit and truth means, right? I can pray that without fully understanding it. Okay. Now, I'm not saying let's stay there in a place where we don't have, let's figure out what it means. But I could just, you know, I, you know, it's Thursday morning and my reading brings me to John 4 and I, I come across this and I could stop and pray that, hey, God, it looks like when your people gather and worship, there's something clear, pretty clear you want. I pray the heights we worship in spirit and truth. You know, I, I, Lord, I pray my leadership knows what it is to worship in spirit and truth. I pray they're sensitive to it. They're building around that. You know, this is even a prayer we could almost pray. You know, we always think about praying going into something. We could pray this coming out of it, couldn't we? You know, I mean, this afternoon we're sitting down thinking about Sunday morning. Maybe we just offer a little prayer. Lord, did I, did I encourage worshiping in spirit and truth today? Did I help somebody else worship in spirit and truth today. That'd be an interesting one to be still and just wait on God to answer, wouldn't it? I mean, clearly this is what he wants. What would God pray? Well, clearly I think he wants true worshipers. I think he'd be praying that we worship in spirit and truth. If that's a priority to him, it should be a a priority to me and to our church. And I think the way we accomplish that starts in the spirit, starts in prayer, right? Number three, that we exalt him. Number three and number seven are going to sound real similar, but, but they are different. Number three is just clearly that we are, we are praying that Christ is number one in everything. Christ is on top of everything. Christ is clearly exalted. Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, that's actually, he's referring there to being put up on the cross. Uh, but even beyond that, when I'm lifted up, that's what's going to draw all people to me. Boy, Lord, I, I pray here at the Heights, we don't ever forget. It's not a person that draws people to Jesus. It's not a program that draws people to Jesus. It's not a size that draws people to Jesus. It is you. Lord, I pray everything we are, I pray everything we're doing, we're lifting up you, we're exalting you. I love Colossians there. He is the head of the body, the church. Okay, we're talking about the church, that in everything, he might be preeminent. Preeminent's a a big, long, fancy word that means number one in everything. Preeminent actually has the idea that he is so number one in this church, you can't see who's in second. It's irrelevant who's in second. He is such a clear number one. He's number one in how we give. He's number one in how we sing. He's number one in how we serve. He's number one in why we gather. He's number one in why we go out and do the work. And we want that to be clear to every single one of us. Well, how does that happen? Start some prayer. You know, there's so many of these things that are so important that you and I won't ever think about. How do I think about all these things? What if I was to start praying them? 
What if I was to have a list like this and I started praying these very important ideas over myself and and over my church? Number four, that we faithfully carry the gospel. We carry the gospel so that people can become followers of Christ and that we are helping them grow in that relationship with Christ. You can sum up that big idea with two words, evangelism and discipleship. I know a lot of you will look at Matthew 28, and you know that's the great... That's the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 is why we are here. It's why, not not just the building, not just us sitting here this morning. It's why you as a follower of Christ are on this earth. Every other command, everything else in the Bible is just helping me faithfully and effectively live so that I can do that. Because when I'm making a total disaster of life, it's very difficult to do that. But that is why I'm here. That is why you are here. And that is why we are here. Lord, may we not forget that. Lord, I I, I pray our church is evangelizing. I pray we're discipling. I pray I know my role in that. I pray I'm encouraging other people's role in that. We might hear those words evangelism and discipleship. And I imagine few of us would say, well, I don't really think I have any role in that, I don't think I can do anything in that. You, you know, that's what I love about watching our church. You, you, we just saw in Colossians a moment ago, it refers to this as a body. We're a body of a lot of moving parts that make it happen. You know, you know who all plays a role in evangelism and discipleship? Well, it started when you pulled on the lot with the parking lot attendant. Who helped, who helped you get parked? And then you came in and there was greeters to make you feel comfortable. Because it can be kind of a big overwhelming place full of strangers that don't, I don't know. Some of them look kind of weird. And so those greeters make me feel a little bit more comfortable. And then there's somebody who's going to watch my two-year-old and teach my little two-year-old that Jesus loves them. And somebody's going to watch my 11-year-old and teach them also. And then I'm going to go into a class and somebody's going to teach me and help organize us being all together. And then I'm going to come in here and there's all those folks up there. Hey, all of these are roles. The person behind the camera. People you don't even see behind that screen right there, there's a room and there's a whole bunch of people and they're pushing buttons with stuff that has to do with what the film is sending them. See, these are all people playing a role. Hey, Lord, I pray I'm praying my role, playing my role. I pray I'm faithful to it. I pray I love being a part of it. I pray it's clear to everybody in here that I love getting to play my role, that I love getting to be a part of this because I want to encourage others, right? That we are about what you've left us here to do. Number five, that we rightly, accurately teach the Word of God. You, you know, folks, that, that is, uh, that's not happening in America. And it's not because there's a lot of interpretations. It's not because the Bible's difficult to interpret. It's because we love the voice of the world more than we love the voice of God. And so we let the voice of the world speak into our lives how we should think about money and sex and marriage and and every issue under the sun. And we absorb that voice, we follow that voice, and we open our Bible and we realize there's a conflict, there's a contradiction. And so then we begin to go and massage it and change it so what is clearly written doesn't say what it clearly says. And you have way too many fools, sometimes we call them pastors, who get into the pulpit and support the idea that what God says in His Word is not clear what it's saying clearly. 
so that you and I can comfortably go back out there and engage in the values of the world. And we cease to be a church. We're either shaped and led by God's voice or we're not. He said, well, how, how do we stay true? Folks, that's not about somebody going to seminary. It's not about somebody reading a lot and somebody studying a lot. That's a devotion. That's a value. That's a commitment that we make. And values and devotions and commitment are held on to in prayer. If you pray one thing for me, pray that. Lord, I, I pray he is devoted to your word and he rightly and accurately interprets it. And Lord, if he starts heading down a path where he's not doing that, I pray upon him a holy discomfort and conviction and he doesn't enjoy a single moment of his life until he recognizes he's misusing your word. Please pray that and pray that for your teacher that's teaching your two-year-old. <laughs> teacher, I didn't volunteer for that. <laughs> Pray it over everything that holds open the Word of God here. Amen? But we we pray for that, and that's how we stay true to it. Number six. Now, number six and seven are going to be similar to things we saw last week that we would pray for ourselves. This is interesting, folks. You know, I, I say, hey, that we love God. Notice that as a church. When you think about loving God, don't you think about it as an individual thing you do? I, You know, I, I love God. The church helps me love God. And I come to church to love God with others. But that we love God as a church, that we're helping people love God. You know, last week, number one was that we would love the Lord our God with all we are and have. We we're going to pray that. And I think we all understand God looking at our lives and measuring that love. But look at Revelation 2.4. God seems to be measuring our love, not as individuals, but as a group. He measures our love as a church. Look what he says here. I know your works and your toil. Gosh, Heights Baptist, man, what y'all are doing with Love 804, the whole, can't, you know, a church, the community can't imagine being without. Gosh, you're, y'all are just knocking it out of the park. Big kudos to you. We're all up here in heaven talking about it. But, wait, what? There, after that, there could be a but? Hey, I know how hard you're working But I have this against you. You have abandoned. Gosh, that's a a big idea, a big word. You have abandoned the love you had at first. How could that be? How How could we come up here and go to church? And how could we come up here and do all this work unless we loved him? Oh, folks, that's the gift of religion. Religion gives us the ability to do a thousand things for God without doing one single thing for God. It's quite possible in our humanity, you and I come up to church and do church stuff, do religious stuff. Because we had a bad week. We know we had a bad week. We know we're looking bad right now before the Lord. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to balance it out. Come up here, do a little church, try to even the score a little bit. I'm a little, I'm in a deficit at the moment. You know, religion teaches me God's in charge. He's a judge. I think he's mad. I think when I go to meet him, probably things aren't going to go so well. So I need a religion. Religion will help me clean up. Religion will help me do some stuff. And I'm going to do all that and I'm doing it for God. No, I'm doing it for me. I'm I'm coming up here so I can feel better about myself. I'm coming up here so I can feel better about the week I just had. I'm I'm doing all this stuff so I can go to heaven. 
and get any rewards he's handing. I don't know what he's handing out, but if he's handing it out, I want some of it. And somebody told me you got to do all this religious garbage to get that done. Folks, there's so many things going on in the name of God today that the heart of it is me. The heart of it is me covering myself. That's what I love about what Christ offers. By his love and grace and forgiveness. And when that's what I'm clinging to, no matter how bad of a week I had, I don't come up here to earn back, buy back his love. Oh, God must love me a little less after the week I just had. You can't do anything to make God love you more. Jesus did that. I'm not up here today earning his love, earning his forgiveness, earning something he's giving out in heaven. I've already got it. And since that's been resolved, since that conflict and tension is gone, now anything I can do can genuinely solely be for him. See, you've got to get that cleared out before it's for him. Most in religion don't ever get that cleared out, even Christianity. Man, man, Lord, I, I, I pray we are a people, not just some individuals. We're not only holding that truth out, but we're all growing in that truth. And, and that we together, I, I, Ian, I, I'm going to use this word several times now. I don't know what the tipping point is, but if too many of us are working in a religious mindset, it'll influence the whole group, and pretty soon we're all thinking and doing that. How do we keep that from happening? Man, we pray about it. God, may we be a people clinging to the cross, clinging to the blood of Christ, clinging to your love and your forgiveness, and may we enjoy the freedom now to love and to worship and to work out of love. May love be, when you see this body moving, may you see love driving it. Amen? And that, that begins in prayer. That, that operates by prayer. Okay, number seven, last one. May we be a force for good in our community where people can see God in us. Number three was about, Lord, in everything we do, may you be number one. Folks, that's more about what's going on in our mind. It needs to be clear in our mind. There's one, number one. And number two, so far down, it doesn't even matter anymore, okay? Number seven is just us being sensitive that, hey, when the world is watching whether they're watching online or they're watching in this room right now or they're watching when we go out and and do an act of kindness, may they see you. When we walk away and they'll have said, thank you, fill in the blank your name, thank you, Heights Baptist, but when we walk away, they see God. When they walk away, they're drawn to God. When we walk away, they're looking up to God and it is Him they're praising. And, you know, I don't know how all that works in their mind. I think it works out when we know that's the goal. And that's what we're praying for. When we're praying for that, God's going to bless it because that's what He wants, right? Now, folks, these seven things and about 42 others, at least, minimum, In other words, seven times seven. I mean, the New Testament is about what we are to be and do as a church. So all of it could be things that we're praying. This seven just gets us started. This is what we're praying on our church, for our church, in our church. And we're saying, God, I'm a part of this body. May I be bringing all this. Show me how I bring all this. Now, here's our assignment. Last week, you remember, pray all seven things for two people, yourself and an enemy. Okay, this is a little different assignment this week. I want you to take these seven things and you can add to them. And if your list gets long, you can take some of mine out. 
But, but get a list going of what you're praying for the church. And I, and I want you to pick one day a week, Tuesday, Thursday. Sunday might be good, right? We're on the way to church. That's a good time to pray for the church. Maybe Sunday night, everything going on at church is, you know, fresh on our mind. And, and we can really give some time to, to prayer for that. But pick one day a week. I actually hope you, you pick all kinds of days because then that way maybe all seven days will be covered. Somebody from this church will be praying all seven days of it. But we all pick one day. And what I mean by one day is not that you're praying 24 hours for the church. If you want to, please go ahead and do that. But 15 minutes. What do I mean by 15 minutes? If you're going to spend 15 minutes praying this Tuesday, you're going to spend 8, 9, 10 of those minutes praying about this church. So you can pray for other things. There's other things on your heart and mind right now. Please cover those in prayer. But you're going to have a day where the focus of your time is on the church. I I don't think we can imagine what a church could be and do in our lives, what a church could be and do in our community, what it could be and do in our world if we were all praying. Now, you know that, again, kind of like back when I started a moment ago, that statement almost implies that we're starting at zero, that, that nobody's praying, and that's not the truth. We have a lot of people who pray earnestly, intently, with a lot of time for this church every single week. I know a lot of you do. We, we, we have a lady here named Iris. Iris comes up here every Thursday and she walks around and she prays. She'll get to a certain area and pray about the ministry in that area. She'll walk by all of our offices and she'll pray for the pastor in that room. I, several times outside my office, she was weeping and wailing. I'm not sure what kind of prayer goes with weeping and wailing but anyway she'll she'll do she'll walk around and she'll pray she does that every single Thursday she's usually here for an, an hour or more doing that so I know there's one but I know she's not the only one no there, there's many of us that do that what I'm asking about what I'm wondering and again I use that phrase what's the tipping point where a lot of us are praying for the church to where the church is praying for the church. Is it 51% of us? Is it 99% of us? I, I, I don't know. But I want to find out. I want to find out. What, what could it mean? What could it do if we were all praying for the church? Like God would pray for the church. One day a week for the rest of 2022. What this is, I think what we're in the fifth week of the year, so it's like 47 Tuesdays to go, or Sundays, or whatever day you pick. 47, the 47 is a lot. And, and right now, before God, I want you to lay at His altar your devotion, your commitment to pray for this church along these lines. And you can add the other things too, but I want you to pray these things 10, 15 minutes, one day a week for the next 47 weeks. And here's what I'll guarantee you. I will give you your money back. Come to me and I'll give it back to you. If you will do this for the next 47 weeks, you will pray about the church the rest of your life every single week. I guarantee. Because what's going to happen one thing for sure is you will love this place like you've never loved it before. And it won't just be based on how good it made you feel last Sunday. It won't just be based on what you or your family are getting 
out of it. One day a week for the next 47 weeks. Pray for your church. Let me close like I began. Folks, Jesus loves this place. And if I love this place, I'm probably going to pray for it like he would, like he did. You know, if Jesus were to look at my prayer life, not my my, my prayer life in general, my prayer life for the Heights Baptist Church, if he were to look at that, would he see that I have the same love and devotion and commitment and passion for this place that he does? How about you? Hey, I've got good news for you. If you're going, uh, probably not. This is an easy fix. Not everything's an easy fix, is it? This is an easy fix. Let's fix it. Every single one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love the heights. We want to love it like you love it. We want to pray for it like you pray for it. And we want to see your power and glory fall like you had in mind when people pray according to your will, your desires. Lord, I pray right now each of us in our mind is just coming and laying at the altar our devotion. I pray right now we're picking the day. May we each one right now lay at your feet our commitment to pray for our church on this day. Lord, as we each bring these 15 minutes, five minutes, hour, as we come and lay these prayers and this time at your feet, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would pick that up the same way you did, Jesus, when you took that boy's few small loaves and fish And you did something there that nobody could have even ever thought to ask. Nobody would have ever imagined that you would do. Lord, would you take our prayers and would you multiply them beyond our understanding to do what only the power and the glory of God can do. Here in our midst, O God. And we will worship you. And we will thank you. And we will believe on you like we never have before. Oh, God, I pray that like it's up to you to make it happen. You've already proved we should worship you, thank you, and believe on you like we never have before. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.